Hello, and welcome to the I by IMD podcast. In this series, we'll be showcasing interviews and thought leadership from the I by IMD magazine, a new home for business intelligence, powered by the expertise of the IMD Business School. In this episode, Alison Meister, Professor of Leadership and Organisational Behaviour at IMD, speaks with one of the world's foremost explorers about finding purpose, improving mental health, and a new quest to help the environment. Bertrand Picard is a man who needs little introduction. He is a Swiss pilot, adventurer, environmentalist, scientist, and psychiatrist. He is a hero to many around the world for many reasons. But for example, he was the first person to fly a hot air balloon all the way around the world. Inspired by this adventure, his second was to fly a solar-powered plane all around the world with his project with Solar Impulse. And now he's working on a thousand solutions to better the environment that don't come at the cost of prosperity. So Bertrand, welcome. We're so excited to have you here today. One of the reasons why we thought that you would be perfect to talk to is because I'm sure you know as you're training in psychiatry, but the around the world mental health is really starting to suffer. Um, people are experiencing chronic stress. They're experiencing depression and anxiety at rates we've never seen before, actually in Switzerland and around the globe. So with, at IMD and with E4S, we're hoping to help leaders and people around the world, students move the needle on mental health to really make a positive difference. Maybe we can start with the idea that people around the world and leaders, the idea of purpose. So leaders are told that it's really important to lead with a sense of purpose and find your sense of purpose and who you are and project that to others. And I feel that there's a little bit of pressure on the other side of people to kind of find the meaning of life, what they're meant to do at a young age and kind of achieve that. You obviously lead with a, a clear sense of purpose. Uh, when did you discover that and how? But you know, purpose is not enough because everybody has a purpose. But sometimes it's a very, very bad purpose. Uh, sometimes it's just to attack the next country to steal all the wealth uh, that the neighbors have. Sometimes the purpose is to be very famous. And sometimes the purpose is to discover the meaning of life. So I think it's a question of which purpose you're going to choose. And depending on the values you have and the type of purpose you choose, you can have a very fulfilled life or a very stressful life and uh, because you won't have the good balance between what you look for and what you really get. So there's actually a little bit, there couldn't be a dark side to leading with purpose. It depends which purpose you have. Yeah, it depends on It's true. So to, to answer your question a bit more precisely now, um, when I was a child, the people I met were people who had the purpose to explore, to discover, to go beyond the obvious, to do things that nobody had done before, and who accepted to take the risk to fail, in order maybe to succeed. So I spent my childhood with explorers, with the early astronauts of the American space program. I met Charles Lindbergh. Uh, my father and my grandfather were explorers. So it gave me a sense of, of really trying to learn from life what can serve your spirit of pioneering and your spirit of exploration. 
So when there was a failure, the question was more what to learn from the failure than, oh, that's bad, why did I fail? I should have succeeded. So I was always in this trend of trying to find the solutions to reach the goal and knowing that the goal was something that was not an end in itself, it was a way to open other doors and go even, even further. So what would you say then are the kind of values that you live by, that you achieve through your work? There are three values that have always guided my education and now the education of my own children. It's curiosity, because without curiosity, you try nothing new. It's perseverance, because without perseverance, you don't succeed in the new things you try. And the third one is respect, because if you have no respect, that means no compassion, no value given to others, uh, your success will have no interest. They, they will just serve nothing. And do you find that you always knew this or it evolved over time? So when you realized it through your work, through all of the different adventures you've taken, did you know that right away or was this a process of discovering? And is it evolving? Well, it's always a process that is evolving, but I was in a big paradox as a teenager. I was dreaming of being an incredibly curious explorer. And on the other hand, I was afraid to climb in a tree because I had fear of height. Really? So there was a big paradox. And I think what I did in my life was to have a compass in my heart that was having the needle not showing the north, but showing the unknown, showing things that had never been done, which means that each time I had an opportunity, I, I thought, okay, this I have to try, this I have to explore, this I have to understand. The only thing I never tried was drugs, because I think there is no benefit for it. But everything else I, I, I tried, and sometimes I thought, okay, this is for me, this is not for me. But when I was trying hang gliding with my fear of height, <laughs> that must have been frightening. It, it cured me wow. completely because I discovered how you can connect to yourself, connect to your awareness to be alive in your body in order to be in the present moment. And when you are in the present moment, you are not projecting yourself in something that makes you a lot of stress or a lot of fear. So I was doing aerobatic with my hang gliding as a young uh, boy. Uh, two or three thousand meters high in the sky, and I was feeling good. I was finally feeling good despite my fear of heights. And I, I saw how much you can evolve. Uh, you, the, the only limitations you have are the ones you give yourself. So you need to, to go outside of your zone of comfort and explore and see what you can learn. And sometimes you say, I love that, I will continue. And sometimes you say, I don't like it, I, I will stop. It's a dead end, let's take another one. So that practice of getting used to trying and failing and trying and failing or shifting paths as you, as you go. I think what makes a lot of stress in our world today is the fact that people are afraid to, to, to fail, which means that they will be afraid to try because maybe if they try, they're going to fail. And uh, th this is a big handicap. Where do you think that comes from, that fear of failure, of, of not trying, and because you don't want to fail? Because I think we are putting the value of performance compared to others instead of comparing to ourselves. 
we can be very performant ourselves and do a lot of good things, but maybe it's not exactly the same performance than other people in your team or in your company. And it, it will make a disbalance. So finally, you, you don't give enough value to each one mm -hmm. and you try to standardize the people to all have the same value or do the same thing as you try to compare people together instead of saying this one is perfect for this and this one is perfect for exactly the opposite. Yeah, so it's a, it's a little bit of a process of finding who you are and your values and what you're good at and your strengths, but yes. also as a leader, finding that in others and the people yes. that you work with and rewarding them for that. Yes, and this is the moment where you have to discover what is the purpose you put for yourself in your life and what is the purpose you put for your, for your company or for your project mm -hmm. in, in Solar Impulse. It was 15 years of hassle and burden before we could have this this airplane flying around the world with no fuel. All the possible problems, you have them. Meteorology, technology, bureaucracy, administration, team, uh, finance, everything was a problem. Why did the team perform so well? Because they were not welding two electric wires to make a, a solar cell connected to a battery. No, they were changing the world. This, this was their purpose. And once there, there's a, the chief engineer who said to his girlfriend who was angry because uh, he was not taking enough care of her, he said, if you want to change the world, you have to make some sacrifice. You have to accept that I will be working day and night and including weekends and holidays. That was our chief engineer. He was changing the world. He was not building an airplane because this airplane was the symbol of how we could behave without fossil fuel, how we could be more efficient, how we could be cleaner. It was a signal given to the world. And this is why the team was so dedicated and so enthusiastic. If I had told them, you know, I want to make a world record with a new type of airplane, can you please build it for me and you call me when it's finished? <laughs> I tell you, we would have failed. Was there ever a point in that process, in you know, this end goal, this purpose you're all working to, where you said, Let's just throw in the towel. This is just too hard. No, because I knew in advance that it would be hard and it was the choice I made for my life. If I wanted an easy life, I would not have taken that, that path. I knew it would be hard, but I knew it would be rewarding and I knew it would be interesting. But you know what makes a lot of stress is when you visualize the goal without visualizing every day's work to reach the goal. It means if I was all the time thinking, oh, I hope I will succeed. I, I see myself crossing the finish line and it will be fantastic and we'll have a great celebration. The 15 years are impossible to cope with because you're, you're never in the present moment. But if you are in the present moment and you say, okay, I'm preparing something, we will see when it comes. We will see when the plane is ready. We will see if it flies well. But now let's do everything the best we can. Mm -hmm. Then it's a progress. Then it's a path you're on. And then it's a real learning. And this, this is something I believe that is not so well explained now in our world. In our world, if you ask the people, for what do you work? For what do you live? What are they going to answer? A lot of them are going to answer, I don't know. Or a lot of people are going to say, I work to make my company more profitable. 
And maybe some of them will say, I work to have more money. But who is going to say, I work to be fulfilled? I work to be useful. I work to have my family happy. I work in order to understand why I'm on this planet and what I have to do here and what's the purpose of living and life, death and spirituality. Now, with all what I have described, you can see which one are the ones who are stressed and which one are the ones who are more fulfilled. Mm -hmm. What do you think is happening right now in the world when it comes to stress? Do you think people are not able to access their purpose? Or do you think the COVID-19 pandemic has really stopped people from achieving that or feeling like they're achieving? Well, the pandemic is a really interesting moment that tends to make us remember that we are not invulnerable. Mm -hmm. Since 60 years, there were no big pandemics, no big wars in the Western world. And we tended to think, we are more powerful than life, more powerful than nature. We are invulnerable. And we started to act as predators against nature, mm -hmm. to just put our power everywhere, to try to control everything. And now suddenly, it's a lesson of being more humble. Mm -hmm. And I think we really deserve to be more humble because we have destroyed life. We have behaved with no respect for other human beings. When you see the developing world with the inequalities we're in. When you see that you have slaves working to have your t-shirts at a cheap price, it's not acceptable. It's not acceptable at all. Uh, so we have to, to put the values of human being, the values of being alive, the values of the beauty of, or the magic of, of nature on this planet at a much higher level. And if we tend to forget this, we get a big crash somewhere in, in, our, in our evolution. And this is what we have today with the, with the COVID. But despite the, 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 the COVID, there was stress before, there was a lack of purpose before. There's, you know, we are in a world that has to deliver mm -hmm. at a speed that is sometimes not reasonable. And at the end, what do we do? The coffins have no place to put the money. Huh? Mm -hmm. uh, so what, what do we work for? We work as if there was no, no death. We, we work as if we were perpetual, huh? that we would never disappear. And, uh, and then what happens? People get retired, they have some money. They, okay, it's good to have money. It's good to be successful, of course, but, but for what? And this is the, the, the answer that is not addressed well enough. So people are getting in a, in a permanent need to deliver for, for others. You've said once that people will only change if there's a crisis, right? And, and, and it's a huge opportunity for change. Do you see some positive change that can come out of this tough situation that the world has faced? We have a window of opportunity that is absolutely unique today. There are trillions of dollars flooding on the market for what is called the economic recovery. So either we use this money to recover what we had before the crisis, all the old, inefficient, outdated and polluting infrastructures and systems and technologies, 
thermal engines, badly insulated uh, buildings, old industrial processes, uh, using fossil energy to make movement, uh, electricity or heat. And then the crisis is for nothing. We will have suffered for nothing and we will have lost the opportunity of change. Or we use these trillions of dollars to create a more efficient process, infrastructure, economy, industry. We invest on clean mobility, on uh, carbon neutral buildings and constructions, on renewable energies, on new industrial processes, on new business opportunities. You know, like all what you can do with the waste, all the, what you can do with the circular economy. All this can be pushed with, the, with these investments and then the crisis will have been really useful because we will end up the crisis being a modern and clean and efficient uh, society. Are we going to take this path? I, I don't know. I hope because there won't be another opportunity with zero interest rate and trillions of dollars that can come at the, for the use of, uh, of everybody. It's interesting. It's almost like connecting, you know, the, the living with personal purpose and values to to you know having positive impact on the world and really seizing the opportunity for change. It's almost that this pandemic has given us an opportunity to stop, reconnect to who we are and where we're going, and yeah. say, are we on the right path? Yeah. And I certainly hope we are taking that path. Yeah. The second one that you outlined. But this shows also that there is one topic that people usually don't dare to speak about. Because we speak of nature, we can speak of efficiency, we can speak of equality, we can speak of a lot of things. But there is one word that people usually don't dare to use, is the word spirituality. Mm. What is the spiritual understanding we have about life? Are we alone, coming from nowhere and going nowhere, and the goal is to be rich and famous and uh, comfortable during our life? Or is there a meaning in all this? Do we come from somewhere? We don't know from where. Do we go somewhere else? We don't know where is this is this somewhere else. And there is something to learn. Maybe there is some spiritual values to develop, like wisdom, kindness, compassion, respect, all this more subtle energy that can maybe lift us to lift us up to to other understanding, or or not. And, and I believe this is the point that will make people feel good or well, uh, feel good and well in their life or bad and depressed. Um, it's, it's this feeling or this experience of belonging to something bigger. Mm -hmm. If you have no sense of belonging to something bigger, you will not behave the same. But if you understand that what you are going through has a meaning, is maybe the result of some laws that we don't really understand, that there is maybe an organization that is maybe above us and ruling the, this world outside of our own will, then, then, then what we are going to do in life is going to be very different. And when I say spirituality, it's not religion. I, I want to make it very clear. Religion is a little bit what human beings have done with spirituality, but spirituality is not something that belongs to human beings. And it's, it's funny you say that. I, I teach a class on purpose. 
And I ask, actually, are you connected to a sense of spirituality? And that is the one, exactly like, like you said, that most people find it most difficult to talk yes. about. And I think we should talk about it. I think spirituality is something that can federate. It's not putting people apart. Religion is putting people apart. If you want to have problems with all your friends, you speak about religion or politic. Mm -hmm. um, but if you speak of spirituality, it's something that is federating. Because in every religion, you can find some spirituality. And even outside of religion, you can find some spirituality. This feeling or experience of belonging to something bigger than human being. And if you put this in your lectures, in your teaching, and you speak about it with your students, I think it will, it will help us to understand that it is something normal. It's a topic that we have to take into consideration. It is not something private to put apart and then we go to work and work as much as we can. No. Everything has to be put at the same level in order to be like a puzzle where all the pieces find their place. If there is a piece missing, we're going to suffer. Maybe suffering is the, the signal that an important part is missing in the puzzle of, of our life. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, there's no real reason of suffering. It might trigger people to do a bit more reflection. Yes. And that leads into, I was, I was going to ask you, how do you think people can find that sense of purpose, That's their values? You know, because we have been conditioned to live in thinking of ourselves and our immediate circumstances and, you know, achievement. But how do you tap into something bigger? First, by asking the question. <laughs> A lot of people don't ask the question. Do we ask to our friends, uh, what's your purpose in life? Why, why do you live? Once I invited some friends with the goal of speaking of our purpose in life. And they all told me, you know what, it's a fantastic experience. It never happened. We never had an invitation where we were speaking about this. How did you dare to do it? But it's fantastic. <laughs> it's a great but, dinner party idea. Yeah, <laughs> but it should be normal yeah. to speak about that. Mm -hmm. And it should be normal to include this topic in everything we do and everything we, we teach. If I connect that into what's happening in the world with, in terms of stress and people are feeling lonely and under an immense pressure, do you think when you were in your toughest situations, so let's say you're in isolation in a plane, how do you keep that sense of purpose, that motivation going or get through, to get through the dark times? Did you have any dark times? I never felt as well in my life as when I was alone in the cockpit of Solar Impulse in the middle of the night thousands of kilometers from any possible rescue. And why that? Just because I was cut from all my habits, I was outside of, our comf of my comfort zone, and I was obliged to find the solutions, not outside of me, but inside of me, because I was alone. And this is a moment where you discover that all the skills you need are inside of yourself. And when you, are, when you are like in a crisis and you have to, to desperately find the solutions, and the, you are obliged to go and dig inside of yourself. And when you find that you have everything you need, it gives a lot of confidence. A lot of confidence. And confidence is more important than courage. With courage, you go despite the fear. With confidence, you see that maybe there is no need for fear because at the end, you, you have everything you need. 
But this is also something we don't teach people enough. So finally, what are the people doing in life? There is unpredictability. There are a lot of things that are unknown, that are not well understood, a lot of things that are out of our control. And what do we do? Very often, we have things that we could change. We could change, we could fight against it. And we don't, because we are fatalistic. So we don't try to change what we could change. And the other behavior, very often, is to be in front of things that we cannot change, that are completely out of our control. And we try to change them. And this is stress. Stress is when we try to change things that we cannot change. Fatalism is when we don't change the things that we could change. And finally, we, we don't ask enough the question when something happens, can I change it or not? Uh, if it's a human crisis with someone, maybe we can change it because maybe we have to change something inside of us to make the relation well again. If the person is dead, uh, you cannot change it. So it's just a question of accepting what we cannot change, but fighting to change what we can. And very often it's, it's completely mixed up and people don't know how to react. And either they are depressed or they are stressed. But maybe there's a third way where we don't need to, de to be depressed. We don't need to be stressed. We just need to understand that when we are in a crisis and we accept it, it becomes an adventure. And when we don't accept the adventure, it will remain a crisis. But this is up to us. Huh? Very often, we just have to ask to ourselves, what is happening today? Is it here to destroy me? Or is it here to challenge me? And it's a little bit the, the vision of life that we have to take to, and, and to be aware about. If the vision of life we have is that every problem is here to destroy us, it's going to be very miserable. If we understand that maybe it's a challenge to teach us to be something different, to be a different person, to be a better person, to learn something, to challenge our certitudes, to find new ways of thinking, then there's no reason for stress. Then you're in the process of learning, you're in the process of exploration of life. So it's, what you're saying is really, if we take a step back and reframe things, it's about yes. getting perspective and saying, you know, challenge or threat, really. Is this an adventure or is this something that's out to get yes. me? And I like that framing. Do you think you know, leaders today in organizations, you know, they're, they're saying, my people are stressed. How do I help them? Leaders or managers? Managers. Well, I guess that depends on what uh, It's very different. Huh? Yeah. The leader is the one who shows a purpose that will motivate everyone, mm -hmm. will explain why we have to reach that goal. The manager is the one who will work on the what to do to reach the goal. It's, it's very, very different. And so maybe that's about helping them frame themselves. Where, what am I here to do and how do I bring my people yeah. along? Because yeah. there's, there's this balance between you know, achieving high performance yet still taking care of the stress and mental health of my people. Yeah. And that's in quite a tension these days. Well, it's so the question, you're a manager, you're a leader, your people are stressed. You have to understand if it's your fault. Maybe you ask too much. For solar impulse, there were moments where it was tough. Yeah. And uh, it's true that there was a lot of work, a lot of 
difficulties to solve, there was a time frame, there was goals to reach. It was not easy, but we, we could all speak about it and we knew why we wanted to do it. So you kept, you, you can push through those tough times, but there is a balance where you have to step back sometimes and yes. say, we need a break. You know, we, we need to, am I pushing yeah. too much? And you know, they were not working for me. They were working for a project that was our project. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I even had the impression I was working for them. <laughs> because it became their airplane. The engineers built the plane, they loved that plane. And although I was the leader of the project, sometimes they considered me as the, the, the guinea pig flying in their airplane. But I think what is clearly bad today in our world is when you have to work like hell just for others. Mm. And if you have a company where everybody is stressed because all the employees have to work for the company, for the profit of the shareholders, for the profit of the manager or the CEO or the chairman or whatever, to complete this balance. You know the story of the manager who arrives with a beautiful sport car at the factory and the, the employee says, oh, uh, Mr. Dar Mr. Director, you have a beautiful new car. And he said, oh yes, it's a beautiful car, but you know, if during one year, you will work very hard. You will make additional hours. You will take less holidays and less weekends. I will have an even better car next year. I, I love that story because people think it's a joke, but it's not really a joke. And a company that works like that will have very stressed employees. Mm -hmm. So it, this is a, a time to take a pause and say, you know, where are we heading as a company yes. as well as, as a society? Yes. But it is so important, the messages, the, the messages coming through. And I think this mental health decline we're seeing is that, you know, all of a sudden we have been put in isolation and, and forced to say, you know, you know, what is this all about? If we speak of mental health, we have to speak about the disease. What is the disease? The disease is the short term, the superficiality with which people are obliged to work, the lack of purpose maybe the lack of real interest in the product that is produced. So we have to go to more, to more importance given on human beings, life, nature, environment, animals, everything that is living. So I'm not here to, 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 to be like the in the 60s, the hippie, uh, love and peace. No, it's not this, it's much more rational, really very rational. It's not about everybody loving each other, but you have a, a, a study that has proven that if you have kindness to your employees, to your suppliers and to your customers, you will make more profit. Mm -hmm. and, and, and this is good because it means that if you are really a good human being, working with good human beings, you can be much more successful. That's what I love tapping into kind of the 1000 solutions, that you're not saying purpose is coming at the expense of prosperity, of you know, moving society along, of, of doing well. They don't have to go at odds with each other. And I think that there is a sometimes a fundamental assumption in business that one comes at the expense of the other. And with this initiative, you're saying, no, it, that doesn't have to happen. Exactly, the, the goal 
with which the Solar Impulse Foundation has worked to identify all these 1,000 solutions is to reconcile ecology and economy. Mm -hmm. It is to prove that there are a lot, you know, 1,000, it's a lot. Huh? It's 1,000 times one company, one project, one product, one process, one technology, one solution. 1,000 times solutions that are financially profitable, they create jobs, they open new industrial markets and opportunities, and at the same time, they protect the environment. They're allowed to be cleaner, more efficient, more envi environmental friendly. And uh, it, it brings solutions that can federate the economy, the politic, and the protection of the environment. Everybody needs, it needs to be a win-win-win, otherwise it doesn't work. And we proved that it can be, exactly, exactly. And not only for the developed uh, countries, it's also for the developing world, where a lot of these solutions allow to create local wealth, development of a local economy, more social stability and peace, by creating values locally instead of having to fight others to get the value. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, pro prosperity doesn't have to be a pie that we divide up. We can grow it for everyone. <laughs> Absolutely. No, wealth is something you have to grow and not to steal from others. And so in terms of, you know, we've covered a lot from purpose through to what organizations can do to what people can do. And you as a human, what's next for you? Going around the world again with this guide of a thousand plus solutions, because now I, I think it's already a thousand one hundred and it will soon be a thousand five hundred, go with these one thousand plus solutions to the governments, the heads of state, the big corporations, the big institutions, and show them what are the tools that they can use to reach their environmental pledges. Because it's very nice to say we want to be carbon neutral in 2050, but how do they do that? They don't know. It took us four years to identify these solutions. So it's a fantastic tool that we offer. It's a non-for-profit operation. We can offer all this and show what are the regulations that can be adapted to really boost the adoption of some of these technologies. What are the new legal framework? Uh, what are the new norms and standards for ecological um, uh, things that you th that you have to put in place in order to pull these innovations to the market, because today the regulation still allows to live in the past with polluting devices, and it's legal to pollute. So how are we going to do better? No, we need to introduce also a legal framework that is really an encouragement for these new technologies to bloom on the market, and this will create more jobs, and this will create more, more wealth, and at the same time, ensure carbon neutrality. That's fascinating because we've taken purpose, personal purpose, and said, first of all, this isn't wishy-washy, this is not hippie, this, that we can take personal purpose, we can make it real and tangible, have a positive impact, and here's how we can do it. Yes. You know, so you're off offering a nice roadmap for actually achieving some positive impact. It's exciting and it's useful. Yeah, it's so you find something for yourself and you find something for others. 
And so just wrapping up then, you know, if you were going to leave a few messages for the future leaders of tomorrow, so or you know, current leaders, but also those who are just finding their feet in leadership, in business, in government, or wherever they end up, what would those few messages be? You have to understand that what you do has to be useful for others. Mm-hmm. That the goal should be to reduce the suffering and the inequalities in this world but in a way that is compatible with economy, with politics, with normal life for everyone. And maybe, but yeah, it's, do I dare? Yeah, I dare to say it. Okay. Go Um, for it. (laughs) What we see is not everything that exists. There are a lot of things in the spiritual dimension that maybe have much more value than what we see here. And if we put all our energy only for the material stuff, we lose all the energy we can have to find something that is maybe bringing us to more wisdom, more kindness, more compassion, which means that maybe we, we lose our life when we try to win it or when we try to earn it. No, there, there is a paradox, I believe, huh? in the fact that if we don't put our life and the fact that we're alive in a bigger context, we're just working for nothing. When we speak about stress, I was thinking about what what I told you in the last half an hour. I was completely comfortable to tell you things that I don't tell very often. Because finally, I was just expressing what I wanted to express. I did not really care about what the people would think listening to me. Maybe some are are going to think it's completely crazy. Others are going to say it's stupid. Others are going to say it's wonderful. But at the end, what I cared for was just to tell what I wanted to tell, which means that there was no stress and I was completely comfortable to speak with you. But if I had made this interview for the others, thinking, oh, they're going to judge me, what are they going to say? I need to give a very good impression. I want to have the majority of people ending up saying, oh, Picard is absolutely great the way he thinks and speaks. It would have been horrible for me because I would have been completely stressed, not being natural, not being spontaneous. Mm -hmm. So this is also a learning. If you do things for others, or if you do it because you think you have to do it, it's very different. That's interesting. It's like actually... You know, are you living with a sense of authenticity yes. connected to who yeah. you are? Yeah. Or are you living with a sense of this is who I should be? Yes. Or this is how they're seeing me? It's a lot of stress to live the way we should be. But it's no stress to live the, the way we are. And what is very paradoxical is that if you really live the way you are and you are really authentical, at the end you will have much more power and much more success than if you are stressed to live the way people would like you to be. It's an interesting paradox, isn't it? Yes. Another one. Yeah. Uh, we discussed a few different paradoxes through this. I love paradoxes because they oblige us to change the way we think. The paradox is something that obliges us to change altitude in our way of thinking. And like in a balloon, when you change altitude, you find another wind that has another direction. But for this, you have to drop the ballast. Otherwise, you don't climb. 
And in life, you have to drop your certitudes, your habits, your paradigms, your dogmas. Then you can change altitude and find other ways to go with your life, with other ways of thinking and other ways of doing. And that involves taking that first step and the, overcoming that fear of heights or failure or, yeah. you know, what are they going to think of me? And, exactly. Uh, I think there's an immense pressure, particularly on youth at the moment, with social media and yes. with, you know, with the, the the eyes on them of the internet to feel that they're projecting something yes. always. Yeah, when you project yourself outside of yourself, you're always losing mm-hmm. because you you suffer with the influence of others. You will project a situation outside, so you will be afraid. You will be anxious. You, you will not be connected to yourself. And spirituality, spirituality is also to be connected to the experience of being alive in the present moment in your body. This is also a spiritual experience. It has nothing to do with uh, love and peace. Huh? It, it, it's, it's a real, also physical experience of being alive and aware of what you do, what you are, what you think, what is around you. It's almost about finding yourself through the physical side of yourself instead of thinking your way into who you are. And I think people might spend a lot of time at the moment thinking, right? Trying to think their way into success or what I am without actually connecting to just that physical side. Maybe the word spirituality is badly chosen because it gives the impression it's only the spirit. Mm. But it's not only the spirit. It's maybe the spirit inside the body. The fact that you are aware of what you live inside your body in the present moment gives you much more capacity of reaction, of thinking, of acting, of, of doing things better. It should be taught in school much more. We, we, mm-hmm. we miss a big part of it. But th- these are things I learned also with hypnosis d- during my work as a psychiatrist. But this is maybe for the next episode. Yeah, for the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's so many questions I could ask. But just quickly on that, do you think that connection with your sense of self, with your sense of who you are and that physical you know, embodiment connects us more with the environment around us and nature and, and humanity? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it brings you to more fundamental and essential topics. We started the conversation actually with, you know, how do you find your values and yes. who you are? And so it's a nice way to kind of come full circle and say, well... Absolutely. You know, we've... Going around the world, going around the, the discussion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, so now we're landing. Yeah, now we're final landing. Final landing. Yeah, final landing. And I, on that, then I want to do a, you know, a final thank you so much for coming, for coming today, for sharing your insights and your wisdom and your ways and mindsets that, through which you see the world. Thank you for bringing me on this field. Because it's not always that I'm asked to speak about this very important thing. So thank you to you. <laughs> to discover a whole ecosystem of business intelligence like this, powered by the experts at IMD, visit the I by IMD website. You'll find a link to it in the show notes. And click subscribe to this podcast to be the first to hear future episodes. Thanks for listening.